This is the Relevant Life Church podcast, where we are about connecting with God, relating to people, and reaching our world. Tune in as our church goes through this week's teaching in God's Word. What a good day. How many love church, right? Well, I got five of you. I said, how many love church? right? I love it. I love it. I love it. I'm excited today. I love what we get to do. I love being able to come into this house and uh, be able to worship. I just want to, uh, let me pull out my phone so I don't forget. I have a couple things I want to talk about real quickly. Uh, Let's see. So many events, so many opportunities coming up, as you can see. We need you to be involved, need you to be part of. If you're part of the Empty Nesters group, today is a brand new day. 43 registered. What an amazing event. And we're excited to be able to gather together. It's going to be a good day. That's over at South Campus. And uh, if if you are on the late boat, you'd have to talk to Phil and, and Larry, or Phil and Frank. Larry's not here. Larry uh, is, is at, but, uh, and, and, and their spouses. Have a conversation with them. They may be able to fit, fit you in. I'll sacrifice my food if you're short on food. So uh, I don't need to eat, as you can tell. Uh, anyway, I'm excited. I'm, I, I love new beginnings. I love new challenges, right? And what an opportunity to be able to come together. I want to also say thank you. Uh, today is the final day of, of January. We made it through January of 2023, right? One month down and 11 to go. Uh, but I want to thank you for your 90-day challenge. Those of you that stepped into the 90-day challenge, uh, can I tell you, you have blessed us. We've been blessed by how you've been faithful and how you've given. Uh, we've prayed for you. Uh, I heard a testimony this morning that one of the challenges of the 90-day challenge was as they, as they stepped into it, one of the things that they were expecting was uh, a, a weekday job, a Monday through Friday, and miraculously, God did all of that, and they're in church this morning because God provided, right? Isn't that amazing? What a testimony. So we would love to hear more of those testimonies. Make sure you email us. Let us know. We, we want to be careful of not necessarily specifying names because we don't want to embarrass you. But what are, we need to be encouraged by those things, that God is faithful. As you are faithful to him, God will be faithful to you. And we want to challenge you with that. We want to also encourage you with this 90-day challenge, even though the 90 days may be up. Can I tell you that it is a biblical principle, and we want to continue to have you walk in that challenge. Why? Because when you're faithful, God is faithful. We don't give because we need, we don't give uh, because we're trying to bribe God's faithfulness. We give because we recognize his faithfulness, right? And as we recognize, God says, as you give to me, I'm going to give back to you. And uh, the ministry of the church, the mission of the church cannot go forward without your participation in giving. It just doesn't, how do we get our money? God funnels it through you into our lives that we can be able to minister. So that's good. Good announcements, Pastor Kevin, right? Anyway, thank you for your faithfulness. I am pumped today. Uh, One of my favorite communicators has become one of my favorite communicators. I've watched him online many times as he's preached. Uh, As we were hunting for a youth pastor, Jesse and I, we walked a distance together, have we not, right? And uh, as we were hunting for a, a youth pastor, I began to go, okay, I'm going to just listen to him. How's this going? And you are, you are up for a treat today. Jesse's, one of Jesse's gifts is inspiration and, and communication. And I trust today that your hearts are going to be not just motivated by his personality, but by the Spirit of God that dwells in him, right? And that's most important, right? We don't want to just follow a personality. But as he comes today, he is a man that loves the Word of God, and he's going to deliver the Word of God. How many are ready to receive the Word of God? Amen? Come on, let's welcome him.
Come on, church, you love Jesus this morning? Man, we can do better. Do you, do you love Jesus this morning? You love the person sitting next to you? Turn to that person right now and tell them, you look good in the neighborhood. You look good for this worship experience. Tell them, hey, and t- turn to the person that you, that, that was your second option that you decided to turn away from initially and tell them, you lit up the room when you walked into church this morning. Well, I, but I do believe that honor is to be given where honor is due. And how many of you know that we are blessed at Relevant Life Church? We are blessed to have the leadership that we do in Pastor Kevin and his wife, Rhonda, Pastor Rhonda. Let's tell our pastors this morning that we love them. We appreciate them. We value them. We protect them. Come on, church. Man, we got some of the best pastors in the nation. That's right. You heard me right. I heard the best pastors in the nation. Come on. Frank. Do you agree? All right. All right. Today we're continuing uh, a four-week, continuing in week four of a series titled Love Where You Live. How many of you love where you live? If you're like, I don't know yet, hopefully by the end of this series, praise God, you're going to love where you live. Not the physical house where you live, although you might like that house, or maybe you're like, I hate my house, but we're not talking about the the house that you physically live in. We're we're talking about the city of God, uh, the city that God has strategically and sovereignly placed you in, and there are three questions that we ultimately and God, uh, that we and ultimately God are asking you to consider as we continue to embark on this journey through love where you live, and it's why do you live where you live? How do you feel about where you live? And even from Pastor Kevin's uh, message last week, a question popped in my mind. How do you see where you live? How do you, when you go into Starbucks, how do you see where you live? When you're walking through your neighborhood, how do you see where you live. And the, uh, the third qu- question up here, what would or could happen if you loved where you lived? Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, if you got your Bibles handy, hopefully, how many of you brought your Bibles this morning, your physical Bibles, your, you, you like pages? If you didn't, go to the app. If, uh, if you don't have the app, if you got a smartphone, download it. We're getting into the Word today. Somebody shout amen. How many of you ready to get into the Word? All right. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, this is the NLT version, but you will receive power. Everybody say power. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem throughout Judea, in Samaria, and the ends of the earth. If you look closely enough in this passage, you'll notice there is a sequence in how this mission is to be lived out, okay, and how it would be lived out 
and it's going to be how we approach this series and how we've been approaching this series. The first phase is personal transformation, right? Uh, the first phase of, of this Love Where You Live series is that we have to allow ourselves to be transformed individually by God's love, God's grace, God's mercy, and God's word. In order to truly love where we live. The second phase is home transformation. How many of you know you can't love, uh, those, if, you, if you can't love those closest to you, you can't love the world around you. The third phase that we're going to speak about and that this series is going to speak to is your spheres of influence. Okay, where you live, where you work, where you play. And finally, uh, it leads to a city transformation and beyond. So Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. How many of you are already experiencing transformation in this series already? Come on. You're already experiencing personal transformation in this series. Um, The title of my message this morning that God deposited in me to bring to Relevant Life Church this morning is that The Word must change you. The Word must do something in you. The Word's got to transform you for you to love where you live. Let's pray this morning, would you? Would you pray with me? Jesus, we thank you for what you're going to do in this service, in our hearts, and our minds. Holy Spirit, we ask now that you would move around this room like never before, that you would start to transform our hearts, that you would start to work on us, that you would start to affect our heart posture, our attitudes. Jesus, that you would have appointments with us this morning, that God, that you would change us from the inside out, and that we would be different when we walked out these doors this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. amen. I want to ask you a question real quick before we kind of really dive into the meat, uh, if, uh, if you know what I mean. I'm going to, I have an illustration for later, so, and just for the sake of time, I'm going to unzip that just to kind of get you interested now. You're like, ooh, what is that? I mean, shoot, what's, what's, it, what's in the bag? So, okay, what if we began to live beyond what we see right now, where we live Because we see through the lens of Scripture. What if we began to live beyond what you see when you you walk down your neighborhood, when you walk into wherever you frequent? What would happen if you began to live beyond what you see right now, where you live, because you see through the lens of Scripture? Today... Today, people have a global platform that has led to and encouraged the spread of thoughts in a way the world has never seen. Today, everybody an influence. Everybody got a podcast. Everybody's an expert at something. Yet, our wisdom and our knowledge is not tested and proven. But the Word of God is. The Word of God has been faithful through generations, has stood the test of time. The Word of God is tested and proven. We live in a culture that says, live your truth. How many of you experienced that? (laughs) Live your truth. We live in a post-truth culture where it's all about, you just do you. 
They say whatever you feel or think, you should celebrate and live your truth. Now, I'm not bad. I feel like these people are hurting. They're trying to cope with life situations and circumstances, things that have happened to them. Maybe, maybe, maybe someone in the church, they feel hurt by them or whatever the case may be, but still doesn't make it biblical. Our world doesn't think there is one truth. It's all going to, and if you start to listen to that, it's going gonna, it's gonna to all sound pretty convincing. All around us, people are sharing and oversharing their thoughts, opinions, and interpretations of reality. The news, social media, friends, teachers or professors on school campuses, celebrities, Netflix, whatever show you might be binge-watching right now, you name it, people are going to tell you what they think about just about everything. Some of those opinions and interpretations of reality might sound good, but may not be of God or biblical. But how do we know? How do we know? How do we know what to believe? How do we know if the things that we read or we hear or we see can be trusted? Should we adopt new beliefs because everyone else does? Should we change our mind on a topic because it feels right or wrong to us? Should we adjust the way we see the world and interpret our reality because we fear we might lose something or someone? How many of you interpret life through your feelings, your family's political leanings, your personal experiences, or what is culturally normative instead of through the Bible? How many of you ever confused about what to do? You ever stumped in life about how to approach a situation? You get there, you're facing something that you're overwhelmed by. You don't know what to do. How many of you ever been there? Yeah. Maybe you're like, I'm there this morning, Pastor. Hello. Uh, hey, I've been there. And shoot, I was there last week. Come on. How many of you are confused about what to do? How many of you know that you make on average 35,000 decisions every day? 35,000. Pastor Kevin, I think he makes probably like 60,000. Julie, maybe 100,000. Now, what if... Go with me here. This is going to be far out, okay? So y'all just track with me here. What if, what if we had an unchanging, completely reliable source for helping us to make those decisions? Y'all, we do. And a lot of times it's collecting dust. A lot of times it's like we just, we read a scripture and then we don't touch it for a week. And it's not getting into every crevice of our life. So we do. 
Let's, re- let's, uh, let's get to the scripture this morning. Hello. Uh, how many of you came ready for the word this morning? 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11. It'll be on the screen for you. But if you got your Bibles, turn with me, scroll with me, get there however you can. 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11. It says, when the king, King Josiah, this Josiah being the king here in this uh, passage, passage of scripture, says, when the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. That's it. Yeah, that's it. Uh, so I'm going I'm to unpack this real quick because uh, some of you, maybe you're unfamiliar with the book of Kings this morning. That's okay. Maybe you're unfamiliar with that book uh, and you're wondering, how did we get here? What is going on in this story? So I'm about to go Picasso on you. I'm about to paint this picture. So here we go. You ready for this? Yeah, y'all taking it. One, one thing I found out when I came to Relevant Life Church is that this is a note-taking church. Hello. How many of you know that you got a far less chance of going to hell if you take notes in church? See, I, I can share, I can tell that joke out here. Like, if some of y'all don't know me, that's a joke. Like, I, I can't, I don't know if I can... T- say that in the Bible Belt where I'm from, so uh, it's nice to be able to share it here. Am I right, Pastor Trenton? <laughs> okay, you can trace this moment, Second Kings chapter 22, verse 11, you can trace what has led to this moment in the book of Kings all the way back to First Kings chapter 3, where in Solomon's brightest moment, how many of you know King Solomon, you're familiar, wisest man? Okay. Solomon's brightest moment, he asked God for wisdom and a discerning heart to lead the people of Israel. Then Solomon builds the temple, the temple of God, and God is pleased with it. Somebody shout amen. God was pleased with the temple. But he warns King Solomon, if you or any of your successing kings, if any of your successors fail to obey my laws and commands, I'm going to destroy that thing. I will destroy it. No sooner does Solomon finish the temple that he ends up making some pretty poor choices. A few chapters later, in 1 Kings chapter 11, he starts marrying the daughters of other kings for political reasons and then adopts their gods and introduces the worship of their gods into the nation of Israel. They built built idols, statues, Asherah poles, Asherah, Asherah. They, they, start, they built Asherah poles, incense to Baal, and altars to Moloch. Now, I'm going to go into all of what these uh, pagan god, gods and goddesses stood for and all that stuff. But they t- the main thing is they turned their back on God and his word. 
And now because of these political alliances, King Solomon got money in the bank and these corrupt influences pull Solomon's heart away from God and his instructions. And if you go back to the Torah, the first five, first five books of the Bible, and look at the guidelines given to Israel's kings, Solomon is breaking every single one of them. And in 1 Kings chapter 12, the kingdom of Israel splits in half between Israel and Judah. And king after king in Israel and Judah, they turn their backs on God, the covenant, that they, the, the covenant between God and his people, and welcome idolatry with open arms. God even sends the prophets Elijah and Elisha throughout all the successing kings after King Solomon to speak on God's behalf, to remind Israel and Judah of their covenant with God, to call out their idolatry, and to call them to repent, to turn back to God and the law given to them. And this leads up to 2 Kings chapter 17. Okay, now we're getting closer. We're, getting, we're almost there. 2 Kings chapter 17, where the empire of Assyria takes down takes out the northern kingdom of Israel altogether, and the Israelites are exiled and scattered. And then we get to King Josiah. King Josiah. Josiah followed God and his law exactly, not turning to the right or to the left. God, he pursued God at all times. How many of you remember the... the uh, the song that we sung, uh, dude, I cannot, I'm spacing on the song, and I, I, I listened to it this morning before I came to church. Same God. I was like, all I could think of was, uh, my God, I need you, because I was still resonating on what Pastor Kevin said before I came up, but it gives new meaning to the fact that Josiah called on the God of David who made a shepherd boy courageous. So Josiah is looking around and he's, he's seeing God's house in shambles and says, nah, we're going to fix this. And as they begin to peel back the rubble, they make a miraculous discovery. They find the law, God's word that has been neglected and lost and forgotten for some 300 odd years. Generation after generation. And now we arrive at 2 Kings chapter 22, verse 11. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law that he had found, he tore his clothes in despair. When you read on, you see Josiah, you see Josiah say, enough is enough. And he cleans house of all idolatry, restores the temple of God, reinstates the law of God. Josiah models for us that we can hear the word of God, Meditate on the word, change the way we think, repent, and change what we're doing. Repent meaning that we turn away from what we're doing and we, and we turn to God and we, and we go the other direction. What I'm telling you today is that the word of God must change you to love where you live. The Word of God's got to get in you, and it's got to become a part of your everyday life. It's got to change you for you to love where you live. I want to give us three responses this morning that we, can that we can all do today. These are responses that anyone in the room could do today. 
Three responses that we can all take today so that the Word of God changes us to love where we live. Number one, meditate on Scripture. Now, a lot of the, some of these, some of the things that I'm going to share with you in the next few moments that we have together, you're going to be like, well, I've heard, of that. I've heard about this since I was in Sunday school, since I was in RLC Kids. But sometimes... We need to be reminded of the foundational things because even the people of God and kings had to be reminded of the foundational things. Meditate on Scripture. Psalms 119, verses 9 through 16. Go with me there. Psalms 119, 9 through 16 says, How could a young person stay on the path of purity? This is a word for somebody today. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that came from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. But what is meditating uh, meditating on Scripture? What is... Meditating on Scripture. You're like, man, I ain't eating breakfast. Why, he, why, why, why is the Lord testing me this morning? What is meditating on Scripture? Think of it like this. How many of you in the room like to cook? How many of you, you're the cook of the house? Hello? No one. Okay. I just. How many of you are the, how many of you are uh, the, the other person that, Hey, I like to eat. Hello. You cook, I'm going to eat. Any carnivores in the room? You like red meat? Come on, give me a steak. Don't give me no sauce because it better be cooked right. Medium rare, baby. (laughs) Or rare. Uh, I mean, uh uh-uh. I suppose you could do this with vegetables too, but, you know... for the sake of the illustration, forgive me if you're a vegetarian and like this offends you. So, lots of good cooks. Okay, they marinate their meat. Okay, they they marinate it. They soak the meat. Now here I have some delicious Kinder's. Oh, <laughs> someone's cracking up, man. This like, uh they marinate their meat, okay? I got some, I got some Kinder's marinade here. It's good stuff, y'all. It ain't cheap, okay? Uh, they soak their meat in a delicious sauce, Hannah. They, 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 see, they, they soak it in a delicious sauce or marinade. Oh, yeah. Come on, baby. That's about good right there. Huh? And we're going to close that back up. Now, and they'll, they'll do this. They'll keep it in here for like a, from anywhere from an hour to overnight. And uh, you, got, you got to make sure it gets everywhere. But you got to make sure it gets into every fiber. You got to make sure it... it... 
Seriously, I mean, you can't just like throw it in there and just throw it in the fridge and hope, you know, like you got to get in there, you got to work it in there. Sometimes the Lord's got to work the word into, you know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you're resistant, sometimes you're like, you know, God, you can have everything else, but this right here, this mine. But sometimes the Lord got to work it into you, you know, he got to teach you a little bit, you know, he's got to humble you sometimes, so he's going to work the word into you. Yeah, this guy crazy. <laughs> now, what does this do? Okay, the sauce soaks into the meat, making it tender, juicy, and flavorful. Meditating on God's word is like marinating. Okay, we soak in God's word, being immersed in it, spending time in it, listening to it, listening to it, absorbing its truths into our life. And because of that, we're tender to the Holy Spirit's prompts in our life. And our witness tastes good to the world. We become more like Jesus when we soak, when we marinate, and when we meditate on Scripture. (laughs) And some of us think we can approach this life and just, mm, that's good stuff right there. Some of us think we can approach the Word of God like this. Mm. That we can just be picking and choosing. Mm, I don't like that. Some of you think, I'm going to just read a scripture a day. I mean, hey, that's, that's a good, keep doing that. But you want the word of God to get into every crevice of your life, to get into everything you do, to every place you go, to where you live, in your neighborhood, and the people that you talk to. Every area of your life. Some, I mean, some, some of us walk through life just satisfied with just a, just a little taste. And we don't pursue it any more than that. We're satisfied with just a taste. When God wants so much more for you, when there is an abundant life waiting for you, when there is a purpose and a calling on your life waiting for you, if you will give yourself to the fullness of And meditate and marinate on the Word of God and let it become every fiber of your being to where when people see you, they see Jesus. When you walk into Starbucks or Dutch Bros, which, I mean, I don't know where the nearest walk-in Dutch Bros is, but you get the point. Wherever you go, they should see Jesus. They They have been with Jesus. Sorry, I had to. Now, there's an example from Jesus' early life where his parents found him in the temple. I'm not going to read the passage for you, but uh, in the temple, which is one where the Bible explicitly says Jesus meditated on the Bible. But there are so many other moments in which Jesus proved that he does just this. He meditated on If Jesus had to do it, how much more do we have to do it? And we think we can just get through life just tasting 
instead of being immersed in the scriptures. If Jesus had to, to minister the way he knew he was called to, how much more do we need to? He did it all the time. All the time. His temptation in the, de- in the desert when the devil tempted him with scripture and he responded with scripture. The Sermon on the Mount, when he preached his longest sermon full of Old Testament references. Jesus' teaching on honoring your parents was referenced from, ding, 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 the Torah. Jesus referenced the Ten Commandments all throughout his life and ministry. Jesus' Old Testament references related to his upcoming death and resurrection. Jesus getting up to read Isaiah in the temple and declaring that I have fulfilled it. Jesus summarized all the law and the prophets in the two greatest greatest commandments, love God and love your neighbor. Jesus referenced the book of Isaiah, Hosea, Genesis, Micah, Malachi, Jeremiah, Zechariah, Deuteronomy, Exodus, Psalms, Daniel, and Leviticus. To recollect, to recall, to recite and preach from all those passages, Jesus had to soak in Scripture into every area of his life. Jesus was not immune. He had to soak it in. And so how much more do you need to be immersed to be soaked in the word of God? Because when you do that, it's going to change everything. It's going to change. Jesus taught everyday people about everyday life and about how their life intersects with God's plans through the filter of, you guessed it, scripture. He made sense of life for people using God's word. And when the scripture begins to soak into every crevice of your life, it begins to change the way you think. It begins to change the way you approach life and the way you live your life. It begins to change the way you think. The second response this morning is to renew your mind. Change your mind. Romans chapter 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, His pleasing, and perfect will. First Paul said, Stop! Stop letting the world's systems and culture squeeze you into this mold. Stop letting the world tell you what is valuable. Stop letting the world tell you how to live your life. And instead, let the Word inform you how to live your life. Then he adds a but. How many of you know that there's there's always a but? Some of y'all didn't get that, but there's always a but. But instead, be transformed. Be made different. But how? By changing the way you think. Renew your mind. Ooh, I feel the Spirit of God saying to us this morning, Behold, I am about to do something. Somebody say, new. Behold, I am about to do something new. I'm going to do a new thing. And sometimes we think new things comes in the form of things. Right? 
We think it's like a new building or a new stage design. God told me the new thing that I'm going to do is going to start in your mind. It's going to start in your mindset and how you approach seeing this city and thinking about this city. And thinking about how you approach the word, how you rely on the word, how it's your foundation. Because nothing's going to change until you change your mind. Nothing is going to change until your mind changes. I am not promising you a thing this morning. I am promising you that what really needs to change is our thinking. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7. It's not going to be on the screen for you. But it says, for as, as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. If you think it, you begin to believe that that is what you are. And some of, us in the morning, uh, some of us this morning are in the state that we are in because of, honestly, what we think. What you think about yourself. What you think about God. What you think about the Word. It's the thinking that you keep doing. You are living in what you are thinking. God is saying, church, change your thinking, change your mind. And you don't have to be in a new place. You don't have to move to a new city. You just got to get new thoughts. Because I'm telling you, if you do not allow the word to change you, change your mind, change the way you think to what God is saying through his word, allow his thoughts to become your thoughts, change the way you think, and be transformed. Why? Pastor Mike Todd puts it like this, what is not transformed will be transferred. Don't let an ignorant mindset toward the word of God pass to another generation like it did in the book of Kings. Change the way you think. Be transformed and break the cycle in your life. The third response this morning is break the cycle. Josiah was a cycle breaker, y'all. Josiah broke the cycle of generational rejection, neglect, and ignorance toward the word of God. The Josiah broke the cycle of generational rejection, neglect, and ignorance towards the Word of God. He's, if you look at the response, if you look at the responses I just gave you, these are all things that we can do to fix the habit of turning to anything other than the Word of God in our life. But how many of you know that underneath a bad habit is a bad heart? Josiah models to us that it does not matter your lineage or your background, where you came from, who your parents were or weren't. You can hear the Word, meditate on the Word, change the way you think, repent, and start doing something different. That was Josiah's response. So I ask you this morning, I want to ask you a question. What are the idols, the statues, the Asherah poles, the incense to Baal, the altars to Moloch in your life right now? 
What are the things that you have turned to instead of the word that needs to be dismantled? That needs to be taken down and burned and start fresh. God is saying, no matter the hand that you've been dealt in life, refuse to let it define you. No matter what your family's like, what happened in your past, what struggles you face personally, or what people have said about you, God wants to define your identity and for the scriptures to be your foundation for how you love where you live. Psalms 119.105 says, Your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you will overcome. Shatter the statistics. Break off generational sin and ignorance to God's word and chart a new path for generations to come for the glory of God. Jesus tells us in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14, that you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Notice that it doesn't say earth. It says you are the light of the world. Wait, hold up. Because Jesus also said in John chapter 9 verse 5 that I am the light of the world. That Jesus said I'm the light of the world. Jesus didn't say I'm the light of the earth. He said, I'm the light of the world. That word world means the world systems, the governmental system. Come on, somebody. The governmental system, the entertainment system, the education system, the healthcare system. I am the light that they need in those world systems. Who is going to take my light? into those dark places. What would happen if we went into those systems that exist in this city and we began to shed light on the darkness? Matthew chapter 5 verse 14 says you are you are you are the light of the world's systems. The systems that exist here in Salem. You are the light of those world systems. When you walk into Starbucks, light it up all right not in that way but you know what i'm saying <laughs> i'm gonna conclude because i got about a, min- a minute and 20 seconds left y'all <laughs> listen listen friends God does not care what the political views of the day are. God does not care who's going to cancel you. His word has been faithful before you. It'll be faithful during you. It'll be faithful after you. Kingdoms have risen and kingdoms have fallen, but the word of God has remained faithful and steadfast through everything. In the New Testament, the scriptures tell us that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The word put skin on. Still sounds weird. The word put skin on did life with us and carried that cross to Calvary 
and died on that cross for you and me so we could sit in these seats this morning and experience Jesus. Jesus didn't preach anything different than what the Old Testament preached. He fulfilled it. Listen, the heart of my message right here, and we're going to end. If God is not your authority, you don't trust him. If the word of God is not the final authority in your life, you don't trust it. It's just another book of good ideas that just go along with what philosophers and idealists say. This, this is the eternal word of God. It's the final authority in my life on how I do marriage, on what I believe, on how I live. So what I'm saying to you today is that the word must change you for you to love where you live. It's gotta change you, it's gotta transform you. And only the Holy Spirit and the word of God and God himself can do that. Like Pastor Kevin said last week, he cannot do it, I cannot do it, Pastor Allie cannot do it, Pastor Trenton cannot do it. You must allow the Holy Spirit to do a work in you that you could never hope to accomplish on your own. Can you put that commitment slide up for me? You'll find this uh, commitment statement at the end of the missional Mad Lib section of the Love Where You Live pamphlet that looks, uh, dang, I forgot to bring one up. Uh, if, if you know where it is, you know what it looks like. It says, let's read this together, would, would, would you? I commit to not complain, sit on the sidelines, or wish I was somewhere else. Instead, I will pray, Jesus, may your kingdom come and your will be done in Salem as it is in heaven. Let's pray this morning. Jesus, we thank you for your word. Holy Spirit, I thank you that you do in us what we can't do for ourselves. God, that you transform, that you change us. God, help us to be all that we've, called to, that we've been called to be in this city. Help us to allow the word of God to change us so that we can love where we live. We love you, Jesus, and we give you the rest of our day, the rest of our days. God, help us to be students of the word every day of our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. As we close, there are going to be those who come and are going to pray with you. We're going to believe with you for whatever you need this morning. Until we are together again next week, God bless you and God be with you. Here at Relevant Life Church, it's our mission to see people connect with God, relate to one another, and reach our world. This single statement drives everything we do as a church. Our hope is that today you were encouraged in this. Thank you for joining us and have a blessed day.